Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. But I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. On 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Sports Sunday. Moving on from some NBA in this hour. We got some college football, some NFL. It's probably going to be some NBA and hate it or love it. And then I'll uh, regale you all of my Turks and Caicos trip at the end of the show. But let's start with uh, the hot take NFL, I guess, where Donovan McNabb made some comments this week that stirred up the Internet a bit. I, all I saw from this was one headline. I didn't really read into it. So I'll rely on you, Rashad, to share the story and what's going on. But apparently McNabb is, is giving us some hot takes. Uh, McNabb, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a hot take, but he said some stuff. Um, he basically came out and said, you know, he feels like he's he's better than Troy Aikman. You know, if they talk as you get to talk about Hall of Fame, you know, numbers and hall people that should be in the Hall of Fame, um, he says absolutely. He's not hesitating on that. My numbers speak for themselves. And that's and then you look at the numbers and he's not wrong. I mean, it's it's if if we're talking about numbers, and mind you, you have to remember Troy Aikman, great Cowboys quarterback. You know, Cowboys dominated pretty much the the, the early 90s uh, championships, 91, 92, uh, and then again in 94 or something like that, I, so, somewhere right around there. Either way, early 90s, the Cowboys were the dynasty. They were America's team, and Troy Aikman was at the helm of that. But you also have to remember, Troy Aikman had a hell of a squad around him. Offensive line, arguably the best in, in history. Running back, one of the best in history one of the best wide receivers that you've ever seen. And eventually they end up getting prime time, Deion Sanders, to, to be one of the anchors of their defense. Like this Cowboys squad. 93, 94, 96. Excuse me. Okay, 93, 94, 96. So, the, yeah, the, the early, most of the 90s, the Cowboys were right there. But um, Troy Aikman was, uh, again, the trigger man. And so what McNabb says, I think people would instantly poo-poo that just because, you know, Troy Aikman won three Super Bowls. Yep. Like, what did what did you do? Of course, Super, you're not better than him. Super so, Bowls have a lot of say in they, NFL arguments. They have a lot of say in any NFL argument. But if you listen to the numbers through the regular season, check this out. Um, regular season games, Aikman 165, McNabb 167. Completion percentage, Aikman 60, 61.5, McNabb 59%. Passing yards, Aikman 32,900, McNabb 37,200. Did they play the same amount of seasons? Uh, they played, it looks like. Years-wise? Uh, well, it looks like um, McNabb played two more okay. games. 
So it looks like they played. Oh, two more games. Two okay. More games. Yes. I was going to say, is that a, is that a case of accumulation? But no, it sounds like it's not. Okay. Yeah. So uh, passer rating, Troy Aikman had an eighty-one point uh, six, McNabb eighty-five point six. Uh, postseason record, obviously, that's where Aikman's going to shine, and that's eleven and four to uh, nine and seven. But this is where the numbers really jump. As a quarterback, what's your job? Pass the ball, right? Correct. Troy Aikman, 165 touchdowns, 141 interceptions. McNabb, 234 touchdowns, 117 interceptions. I didn't realize Aikman's interception touchdown ratio was that bad. Yeah. That's really not good. It's really not good. Almost a one-to-one. And and McNabb's, in comparison to that, is awesome, you know, considering that he's thrown, you know, uh, 60 more touchdowns than him, but then, again, turn around, and I've also thrown, you know, 20 less interceptions than you. That's a big deal. I would say, okay, let, let's let not compare the numbers to a guy like Troy Aikman. We all know Troy Aikman was... The arrows were different, too. Uh, the arrows were different, and, and as good as Troy Aikman was, he he was a good quarterback. He wasn't the reason they won those Super Bowls. No, he wasn't. Right? So so let's... What is, what's his numbers look like, Donovan McNabb's, in comparison to a guy like Dan Marino, who never won a Super Bowl... Right, but is right. I, but that's that, where you have to do. You have to. But he's going to get slaughtered by Dan Marino. Well, but Dan Marino's a Hall of Famer, <laughs> well, and he never well, won a Super Bowl. And so and is Troy Aikman, though. Yeah, but he won Super Bowls. So you have to compare him more to guys that didn't win, win Super Bowls because they got in there. You know what? Eli Manning, Hall of Famer. Why? Because he won two Super Bowls. Without those two Super Bowls, he's not. You can well, say he's not a Hall of Famer, but Eli Manning is going to get in the Hall of Fame because he won two Super Bowls with the New York Football Giants. And I think, and I think sometimes that's, that's that's not fair because we value a Trent Dilfer more and the opinion of a Trent Dilfer more than somebody like Donovan McNabb, whose numbers as a football player who was better, Trent Dilfer or Donovan McNabb. However, the Super Bowl says that Trent Dilfer was is a more accomplished player than McNabb, which is ridiculous. And I and I mean, I well, look at no. I look at the, I look at what you're able to do, and it's kind of like one of those things like. Uh, for a long time, Tom Brady, I was able. I said he did more with less than any quarter than any quarterback in the league up until he got Randy Moss, and then you got a Gronkowski, and then the, the floodgates opened. But prior to that, he was throwing to a bunch of you know garbage men and stuff like that. I'm looking at the, you can the, make the same case for for Donovan and I, as, as well. I look at his yes. roster right now: Todd Pinkston and James Thrash and Chad Lewis. Some people, I guarantee, there's some Texans right now. They're like, who? Who are these? Who are those guys? But I'm sure there's some people that remember uh, James Thrash, or you know, we all remember uh, uh, Fred X, Freddie Mitchell, you know. But those are these. This is the this is the roster had that he some, had to kind some of work really with. cool catches in the postseason. But he, he, he was did. not a he great was not a wide great receiver, receiver you know. No. And so I look at the fact that you're able to put up these numbers, and really until he got to like they were just an okay team. But yet McNabb was still able to put them on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. Every single like for four straight years, you know, they were in the conference championship game. That's I mean, next to Jim Kelly. And of course, he didn't win either. That's like absurd, you know, to be in the championship game, to be in the mix every single year. And then the one year you actually got a receiver that was worthwhile. Although Jim Kelly made the Super Bowl. Four years in her but I'm saying, but I'm saying the one time you actually got a, a receiver that was worthwhile. What happened? You made it to the Super Bowl, and then that receiver had a, a, a showed out in that Super Bowl game. You didn't win because that's the Spygate year, I think. Was that the was that that year? I have no idea. I can't remember. I can't remember one of those. I think it was. I think so. you're just blocking it out from your memory. I, I don't. I don't. I don't recall. <laughs> I don't recall any of those things. All, but, one of the one of the multiple years he's blocking one, out from his memory. Yeah, one of I don't remember. Five, I don't remember five of those years. Either way, so I'm just. <laughs> so I'm looking at this roster, and I'm like. 
Eli that's, Manning who? That's phenomenal. You know, that's phenomenal to look at what you're able to do and who you're able to do it with. And, yes, man, we look at um, Aikman as one of the greats. Why? Because he won the three Super Bowls and everything. But, like you, I think most football fans that really know the game will tell you that Aikman was probably the fifth best player on the team. I really did not know he had that bad of a yeah, touchdown no, and interception and, ratio. Uh, he's one of those guys. That, and there are guys in the Hall of Fame, specifically at the quarterback position, that get in because their teams won the Super Bowls, right? But And typically it's got to be multiple Super Bowls. Uh, Trent Dilfer didn't win that. It, the The defense won the Super Bowl there in Baltimore, and everybody knows that. If, if Trent Dilfer won three Super Bowls as a quarterback, he might be in the Hall of Fame just because he was the quarterback and that team won three Super Bowls. But because they won one, and everybody knows that was a ridiculous all-time great defense, that Trent Dilfer, you were a, a good quarterback, but no, you're not a Hall of Famer. All I'm saying is, is when you are – trying to compare numbers right like like a troy comparing it to troy aikman's that's not a fair comparison why did he pick troy aikman in this because it's easy for him because he knows he'll win it exactly and that's why i'm saying you gotta you gotta put him up against a guy that didn't win a super bowl and got in on the merits of his numbers can we not pick dan marino though because he's the best quarterback ever to not win a super bowl yes i'm just saying throw someone else out there that is in the hall of fame that i guess is comparable i'll I'll, I'll get a name right now just sec why okay and the other question i have on this is and this is my problem with a lot of the Hall of Fames outside of the baseball one. I have no idea what constitutes the Hall of Famer in all these sports. It feels very arbitrary sometimes to me. You see, like, the the Hall of Fame classes go, and you're like, oh, yeah, these are all great players. But what is it about them that makes them a Hall of Famer? I feel like in baseball you have a very specific – maybe it's not very specific, but you can look at a player and be like, oh, Hall of Famer, borderline, maybe he'll get in, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. Maybe it's just because there's more players in the NFL, more positions, I guess I should say. But I, I never understand who is con- who is considered a Hall of Famer and why. I, I would do it with something more like Warren Moon. Okay. That just okay instantly. He's one of those guys. He never he, is. he never won a Super Bowl. Did he make Super Bowl? his career touchdown to interception ratios two ninety one to two thirty three, right? So McNabb's is better. So McNabb's is better. His career yards is forty nine thousand three hundred twenty five. Played more years. Played more years, and that's what I think one of the problems for McNabb is, is his longevity because he did ha- he had eight nine years of really really elite play, and then he just kind of injuries he got hurt injuries and happened. he it was over. And and we all know that especially at the quarterback position, longevity is a big part did, of the Hall of Fame. Did Warren Moon make the Super Bowl? No, right? No. Did he make a conference championship game? No, right? I don't think so. Let, let me. Well, then do that, a little more that's another win for McNabb because he made four straight. Well that's, that's the, yeah. well, that's why I'm picking. Well, that's why I'm picking Warren Moon because I think if McNabb goes, "Hey, look at what Warren Moon did, and look at what I did," then I think you have a, a way better argument than going, "Well, look at Troy Aikman because Troy Aikman won three Super Bowls, and that's just a trump card. That that's just flat out a trump card." But if you pick a guy like, and there are multiple guys, I guarantee you, that are in the Hall of Fame that he could have been like, "Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. My name. My numbers are better than all of them." So then he has a better argument as opposed to being like, dude, Troy Aikman, three Super Bowls. Come on. So one of the guys that he's uh, kind of compared to as far as, you know, if you look at football reference or anything like that, they'll give you a list of people that they can be compared to. One of them is Kurt Warner and Hmm. uh, Kurt Warner, obviously a Super Super Bowl Bowl winner, winner, had played in in, in another Super Bowl game. But yeah, numbers, the numbers are better than than somebody like Kurt Warner has thrown. Uh, more touchdowns has thrown less interceptions like 
And Kurt Warner is somebody that I think undoubtedly most people will tell you is a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah. I think most people would undoubtedly but tell the you Super that Bowls. Kurt Warner. It's the Super Bowl. And I think the Super Bowl will tell you. And I think that's where things change. Now, look at Kurt Warner. Again, two amazing teams that he played for. That Arizona team was absolutely awesome. That uh, uh, the, the best show on turf was the best show on turf. So that team was, man, flat out awesome. I don't know if McNabb has ever, ever been able to play on a team like that except for the one year the T.O. was there or the one of the two years T.O. was there. But McNabb's numbers probably, although – McNabb's a Hall of Famer. Greatest show on turf years are going to really, really uh, extremely raise his numbers. I think McNabb's numbers are probably better career-wise than Kurt Warner, right? Yes, they are. So, I mean, I think McNabb's a Hall of Famer, too. I I agree. And I I guess his point is probably founded. He should be a Hall of Famer. But to Jesse's point, he's right. Don't compare yourself to a guy who won three Super Bowls. No, compare yourself to Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts, 254 touchdowns, 242 interceptions. Yeah, but nobody nobody talks about Dan Fouts like that. Like, Troy Aikman gets Budweiser, Coors Lights commercials or whatever it is. McNabb's point is he should be in the Hall of Fame. And if Dan Fouts is in the Hall of Fame, and we all love Dan Dan Fouts here, then uh, Donovan McNabb should be in the Hall of Fame. And he said, mind you, based on numbers. He didn't say based on career and stuff. He said based on numbers. That's what it is. And, and mind you, you got to remember who Troy Aikman had to throw the ball to. Like, your number should be way better than that. And that's what are. I'm saying. That's that, All I was saying is, is your his argument I don't think is flawed. I just think that he he could have gotten way less backlash if he, he could have come out with a list of easily probably six other quarterbacks. Look at the numbers of then them. Then you really look, look like a D-bag. People already don't like Donovan McNabb. Somebody actually just texted in here on the on the text line that, yeah, he's a, he's a douche. And I think there's some people that honestly kind of feel he like He is a that. little bit so, of a douche. Yeah, he is a little bit, but – in this case, he's a he's a allegedly he's a right douche. In this case, he also I lives mean, Syracuse to greatness. So. so, and there you go. He's great football and basketball. All right, we got to go. Coming up next, let's get into a little Oregon State stuff before we get to our hate it or love it. Go Jonathan beast. Smith joined Dirt and Sprague for thirty minutes, and we got some clips to play for you. That is next. First, uh, nope, that's not this break. That is next here on the fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Jonathan Smith joined Dirt and Sprague on, I believe it was Thursday. Yes, because I remember we got, we got the email on Thursday night in regards to all the clips that we could play. Yes, so he was doing a little bit of a car wash here in the city of Portland, going to all the various media outlets and doing interviews and stuff. And the big talking point beforehand and from one of these clips was that Jonathan Smith made a comment in an Oregonian piece that he doesn't really use social media to recruit, which felt very, very, very out of touch for a guy who as young as he is as a head coach in the modern recruiting era would say that he doesn't use social media. And then you see all the stuff about how bad Oregon State's recruiting classes were this year in the last few years. And you and granted, this is just year two for Jonathan Smith, but I think some of the recruiting guys are still there from Gary Anderson. Um, the you, you look at it and go, well, there's your first problem, is that the main way that these kids are talking and getting recruited now is social media. And you're just saying you're not you're not on it at all? Well, uh, they asked him about that, and here was his response. 
I didn't like my quote in there, but I did say that. And yeah. I, I took a deep look at that because we're, we're doing a bunch of cool things on social media as a program. Mm -hmm. You know, our Twitter page and what we're putting, the content we're putting out, inside looks and the history of former players, all this stuff. I do think our assistants do a great job on it. You know, they're very active. And, and after kind of digesting all of that, I kind of thought of it this way. is like I, we're all about our players' improvement. And they're trying to improve and asking those guys to work hard and improve. And I, I think I got to take the same approach of a little bit like, look how the avenues I'm using in recruiting and where I'm active and where I'm not. And let's let's work to improve. And so I do think I want to be a little bit more active on it because we want to use every avenue we can. Not just recruiting is a huge piece, mm -hmm. but also to connect to a fan base and our current players. So it was a, a great uh, learning lesson for me. I mean, I think that's the best thing he could have said about that is I messed up. That's stupid of me. I need to be better. I need to hold myself to the same standards I hold my kids to, to be constantly approving. Uh, we'll see if he sticks to it, right? I mean, if you, there's a lot of people who aren't social media people and they just never get it. And they just, even if they try, it, it, it comes across as disingenuous or it comes across as just maybe a little bit cheesy. And I mean, maybe any presence at all will help them, but it's good that he at least has the self-awareness to go, oh, crap, that's wrong. I need to change that. We're in a different time now. Which, I mean, raises a little bit of an eyebrow, just a little bit, just because. Well, I think that's why they asked him about yeah, it, because that quote, like, you're like, what? That's like, wait a minute, like, it's 2019, and then, like, I can understand if this is 2014 or something like that, and you're like, I don't get all the social media stuff. I just leave that for the people that actually, like, then I would kind of understand but now we're in a climate to where you know for a fact that this is how kids are communicating. This is how people are communicating. I can't, I mean, I have very few phone conversations. Most of the things that I do are through some type of social media interaction, some type of email. Like, we're no longer doing face to face meetings. Nobody's, who's sending letters home, you know, to say, hey, you know, we, we, we really like what you're doing. We're going to come up there and watch you. I know those things still happen, but man, kids are moved by, the phone call, the text message, the, you know, get at you on Twitter and look what we're doing over here on my Instagram. And One of the best things, things Oregon did was the the personalized Photoshopped images of the recruits, I thought. It had them doing Fortnite stuff and they had them doing this. So not only did they get the social media aspect, they got what they were they doing the in fun. their lives. Absolutely. They got that everyone was playing Fortnite two years ago and they needed to really, really push that because it, it was going to connect with kids. And obviously, Oregon has a lot of advantages that that other schools don't in terms of their facilities and stuff. But, yeah, you need to be on social media doing that. And, sure, you can have assistants doing it or you can have social media managers or recruiting managers doing it. But you need Jonathan Smith to be doing it because he's the head coach and he's the guy who you're – I mean, you're not being chosen by because you're it's the whole coaching staff, but he's the head of it. Especially, he's the head of the horse. Especially considering that if you are Oregon State, you don't have the amenities that Oregon has. You need to be – full throttle with your social media and making sure that you show all the best parts of Corvallis, all the best parts of your team and of your personality and all those things. Like when you don't do that, you're shutting these kids out. And especially the social media only gives you a, a small glimpse, whether you're looking at someone's Facebook or Instagram or whatever, it's just a small look into what that person or that school or whatever kind of has to offer. When you're not giving them that, I'm just going to move on. You know, it's just like one of those things that you're, if, if we don't see it, it, it must not exist. One thing we have talked about on the station for, for a long time, and not necessarily on this show, but what exactly is the recruiting pitch for Oregon State? What, what do they need to do 
that will get kids to choose the Beavs over any other Pac-12 school or, hell, Mountain West school at, at this point. Um, the core Vegas thing didn't particularly work, nor did it seem to fit, right? You're like, oh, you're, you're going to core Vegas, and you get to Corvallis, and you're like, this is like Vegas? What? Yeah, it's a good party school, and there's fun, but it's not. You can't. Yeah. You're not Vegas. If you like Arby's. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not you Vegas. To, so you know, the McMinimins and uh, out there, I guess that's kind of like Vegas, you know, if that's what you're looking for. But, you know, no, there it's not. I've never heard Corvegas. That's a silly name. Yep. It should change. Well, that, that, however, was, a, that was a couple years ago. However, but. Corvallis is a very good party school. But if you're a coach, you can't tell them, this is where people come and party. Like, that's right. You know, it's probably not the pitch that you want to make. You more than likely will be dismissed as, as the coach if, if that's how you're recruiting kids. Especially if you're Jonathan Smith. But that's that. the one cool thing about Oregon State is like, man, say what you will. Oregon State knows how to throw a damn good party, and I can tell you that from my time at Western Oregon and stuff like that. They know how to throw. Escaping Monmouth to get a and, and, and that's exactly what we did. Escaped <laughs> up this one lone dark road all the it was way still to a dry. It was still a dry city when you went, right? Well, it was an incredibly dry. MIPs were given, uh, like, prescriptions in, <laughs> in, in Monmouth. So here, yes. but here, Here's an audio, piece of audio. Here's Jonathan Smith on his program's recruiting message. We feel good. We really do. You know, just because we were confident, we got a lot of good things to sell. Uh, the place itself, the university itself, the direction where we want to take this program, um, the coaches that we got coaching and then going out and recruiting. There's a bunch to sell. So we feel good. We realize this thing is a process. You know, the signing date's in December. And so there's still a ton of work to do as we continue to go. And yeah, commitment this or that, it's like, well, yeah, you're trying to hold on to a few of those, but then <laughs> right. chase some others. And, and ultimately the finish lines in December. I don't love that answer. We have a lot to sell the, the city, the university, the coaches. Nothing. Okay. But what, what is your, what's going to make you stand out from other PAC 12 schools? You, you, your record is not helping you right now. You are considered one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the PAC 12, how do you improve that? You have to get better recruits, but you need to recruit to a certain message that isn't just help us improve, be better in the future. Some kids will eat that up, right? Some kids want to play right away and be the guy who's going to say, I'm going to help this team get to the next step. For a personal example, and it's a local kid, Eric Dungy said that for Syracuse. He goes, Syracuse sucked for years and years. And he went, I'm going to get this team to the next level. It took getting another coach too, but he did. They won 10 games last year in his senior season. He was able to do that. Some kids like that challenge, but it doesn't always happen either. So you need to have something else outside my, of just selling the school in the city. My thing is, like, even what is what is that? Like, how do you sell Corvallis? And mind you, this is no shade towards Corvallis and Duck, or excuse me, Beaver fans and people that are that attend the school. But let's be real, Corvallis is not the most awesome place you know you you could possibly be. And what do you what do you sell? Like if you're Oregon, you sell your new facilities and you sell the multiple uh, jerseys and you sell your connection with Nike. If you're at USC, you can sell beaches and bridges. And the fact that you're in the middle of the city of Los Angeles, if you're and going to Stanford, you can sell Palo Alto and you can sell the fact that you are at the the forefront of of technology and everything. If you go to UW, man, you you play the f football here in the city, get a great degree when you Lake do. Washington's are, right there. What are you selling in Corvallis? That's my question. And the the rest of the Pac-12, even Washington State, is starting to be able to say that. 
well, we've got some more stuff to offer at least. Not mean more than we had before. Well, you know what we Washington State is selling? They're selling lose, They're yeah. selling Mike Leach. They're yes. selling the offense. And Mike Leach knows how to sell himself. And I think that's the main thing. Like, as a head coach, man, you have to be able to sell yourself to these young men, and especially as these guys are going to all these recruit trips that are offering them the world for the most part. Just as uh, when, I, when I say the world, I mean everything a young kid could possibly want on a college campus. And you go to Alabama and you're awe in awe of – the facilities and the waterfall and oh my gosh this is just in the, in the history this is this is alabama you go to oregon and they take you to the nike store underneath the 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 arena or underneath the stadium it's what are you doing in corvallis how do you get kids to stay well that's why i say you have to you have to come up with a creative message that that fits corvallis and fits the beeves but is also unique among the pac-12 schools because you're right you can go to every other pac-12 school for the most part you, there's probably some examples here and there that also struggle in the same way um I'm sure I'm sure the best comparison was Washington State until they got Mike Leach because Mike Leach can sell his offense and sell himself and sell the air raid and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Oregon State has had a couple of different coaches and they haven't had any sort of stability. And no offense, to Jonathan Smith, but he's not exactly the most exciting human being to talk to. He's a football coach. He's a generic football coach, whereas Mike Leach is Mike Leach. So, yeah, you got to you got to figure something out. One more clip before we go. Most important aspect of recruiting. The important piece to me is if we can get them on campus, if we can get them on campus and really see the day to day, see the place itself, see the coaches at work coaching and really get around our current players in the locker room and they can tell the story of what it's truly like. And that's been a huge push for us as a drawing them to Corvallis. However, we got to draw them to get them here. We got to look at, you know, right. But we feel awesome when we can get them on for a day or two in Corvallis and really to continue to tell the story. Rashad didn't like that one. I don't mind that one as much because in some cases, what we said was one of their strengths is it's a nice campus and it's a good party school. So if you get them there and then, you know, they have, they have host players and they can go show them around and show them all the girls and all the parties, then maybe that does make a difference. Uh, the problem is, is you got to get them there in the first place. And if you've listened to recruiting with Andrew Nemec the last couple of weeks, one thing he's talked about is multiple recruits have come to him and said they're frustrated that it feels like Oregon State's slow playing them. Basically, they're not getting offers from them until after they have offers from other Pac-12 schools. And if you have other offers from other Pac-12 schools, you're looking at the Beavers and going, well, I'm not going to Oregon State. There were some great players. You know, I cover high school football Friday nights, and I'm just I'm always floored by the fact that why isn't this guy being recruited by Oregon State? Why isn't this? There was a recruiter, and I can't, a receiver, and I can't remember his name for the life of me. Excuse me. He went to go play in Nevada uh, this past year, but played for Clackamas, and he was phenomenal. And I'm like, why is why is there no Pac-12 school offering him? You know, anything? I think Nevada was his only big offer. And I look at Oregon State, going, you need help scoring the ball. You need help moving the ball. Why haven't you offered any of these students that are that are homegrown? And I think that's been their biggest thing. Oregon has no problem saying, man, you're the best player here in Oregon. Why don't you come play for us? You're one of the best players here. Yeah, we'll offer you a scholarship or we'll have but a scholarship they also, or whatever. They're national enough. They don't need the local players No, anymore. they don't. But they at least still, with, but even still when the, the national team is still going to get the kids from their backyard, that says right. a lot. Like that's last what Oregon, year, State's, Oregon State's doing. It was what, Telano Hufunga from, um, I can't remember the town, Crescent Valley. That's but, what it was. But also they recruited. He chose USC, but they were in the top two. He just wanted to leave his backyard. Elijah Winston also chose USC, but Oregon still offered him. You know, Lamar Winston, you know, Oregon's best player. He's at Oregon. Max, uh, excuse me, uh, I forget my man's name. He, uh, he played for uh, Central as well, but he's at Oregon. So there's those guys decided, man, yeah, okay, I'll go there because the school from right up the street is recruiting me. That's a good point. If, you, if you're finding the, the top kids who aren't getting Pac-12 offers, maybe that's your level right now, Oregon State, because it's better than 
missing them all together. Are you are, are true or false? Oregon State's the worst team in the Pac-12 right now. True. Yes. So no. Why would you wait for Cal to offer them something? Then you step step in and say, okay, well, since Cal did it, we no. You're you should be the one to offer them first, and then other schools may hop on board. All right. Coming up next, hate it or love it. But first, Jesse S. Sports Center. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. That music means it is time for Hate It or Love It. Jesse Osmond, you're up. Oh, I thank you for that wonderful game show entrance. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Let's, uh, I guess we'll go to the NBA. We got the NBA Finals coming up on Thursday. We can maybe make a little prediction here and uh, uh, I don't know. see if it comes true. I don't know. All right. Uh, as we all know. Whatever um, Rashad says, go the opposite. I, I don't think any of us are really expecting Kevin Durant back for this series. And if, if he does come back, it's probably going to be later in the series. I imagine I if the Raptors are pushing him, he'll come back. But it doesn't sound like he's going to come back. A grade two, not a grade one. A little bit more severe than everybody really anticipated. Okay, and my favorite joke is, how does Kevin Durant strain a calf that doesn't exist? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Um... Without Kevin Durant, we have noticed some other players step up. Draymond Green, you know, obviously Stephen Curry looking more like the pre-Kevin Durant Stephen Curry, um, who, as we all know, is the league's only unanimous MVP uh, for the regular season. But one thing he has not done yet in his illustrious career is he has not been the finals MVP. That's actually gone to Kevin Durant and Andre Iguodala. Love or hate? yeah. Stephen Curry will be this year's finals MVP. Hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say hate on that one. You know why? Because one player stood out last series who put on the FU playoff mode, and that's Draymond Green. Steph Curry is an amazing shooter, but I think the Raptors defense is good enough and active enough and long enough that they'll be able to try to do what the Blazers couldn't against Steph and really, really take him out of the game. Clay Thompson will have his games, and you'll see other guys have their games. But Draymond Green's impact on this series is going to be massive, just like it was in the Blazers series. His defense, his rebounding, his leadership, and hopefully his ability to, to score because that is inconsistent but does come and go, so he can hit some threes. I think you're going to see Draymond Green win the MVP of the finals this year because of just how much he's going to be able to do all over the court, similar what Andre Iguodala did when he won the finals MVP a couple of years ago. The Raptors defense is no joke, man. Watching that series against the Bucks, they are everywhere and they're so long. Every single guy in their starting lineup is long except for Kyle Lowry, so they can really, really trap the really, really good scorers on the Warriors. So I'll say Steph will, will get his, but I think Draymond will be the MVP. Uh, I'm, I'm also going to hate it. I'm saying the finals MVP if Golden State win will be Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is the one player on that team that might present some type of ma- uh, matchup problems for them. Clay Thompson's a 6'7", two guard who can dribble past you and can shoot from the parking lot. Uh, I think guys like Danny Green who are great athletes, but still, I think staying in front of the Clay Thompson could be a problem. He can beat you inside, beat you outside. But I totally agree with what Lynch was saying. The one problem that I think uh, Golden State is going to have is the length 
and the athleticism of this Toronto team. Siakam is a good defender. Danny Green is a good defender. You've got two big uh, bigs that are good defenders down low. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard is the best two-way player in the league. I think Kawhi is going to be the one that uh, given the, the the charge to guard Steph, and Danny Green is going to be given the charge to guard Clay. I think of those two, Clay is definitely going to be the better player than Danny Green. Um, I don't think I think Steph is amazing, but we've seen him kind of fall apart. Uh, at the finals, especially without Kevin Durant. He seems to play a little bit better when they have that third option around the, uh, around the perimeter. But, yeah, I think Steph is going to be uh, over again in the conference final, in the NBA final as the finals MVP. Uh, I like that you both gave who you thought the finals MVP, not that you just uh, hated it. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. So uh, we got Rashad We're not with uh, Clay Thompson, you know, and uh, I like the Draymond Green. That's kind of like a dark horse MVP that I think really has a, a legit. A lot of the times the MVP in finals are those random guys who just have two or three great games. Right. You know? And Draymond looked so on in the Blazers series. And I think he's got that mojo right now. Uh, let's, I guess we'll keep with the NBA theme. Most of it's NBA today. So, um, I guess we'll move on. We got the news this week that, uh, Dame was second, um, all NBA, uh, quite the illustrious award. This is his fourth time getting an all NBA award, uh, matching Clyde Drexler is the only other blazer to get, uh, such an award four times. Um, also possibly Put him up there as far as he's going to be the best players of all time. I mean, they're they're about to sign him to a four-year super max extension because of his second um, team honors. Love or hate, Dame signing a super max will remove the Blazers from a title window. Will remove them? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to hate that, although I understand the process behind that. You have to sign Damian Lillard. You have to. He is your best player. He does have the potential to be the best blazer of all time, although he is not there yet. Um, And he has shown willingness to stay in Portland, which almost nobody has shown in the past. You have to do it no matter what. And I don't think it's going to really hurt the title window, although I know that's going to eat up a lot of the salary cap. He's your best player, and you have to put that kind of money into your best player. And I know we've seen it not work out in the past as well. John Wall's deal with the Wizards is looking mighty bad at the moment. But then again, you've also seen these Supermax contracts work out for some of their teams as well. So to me, it's a must-do. It's not going to remove you from your title window because your title window is because of Damian Lillard. If you don't sign up to a contract extension and he leaves, you're never going to be in that title window. (laughs) So you got to take advantage of it while you can. So I'll say hate. I think that's an argument that people are making to try to be different. Yeah, I I, I hate that as well. Um, And Lynch... Stole the the thing I was going to say, man. Your title window is because of Damian Lillard. He's the reason that you're able to go. And CJ and everybody, man, these these are great complimentary number two pieces. But Damian Lillard is definitely what made it go, which is the reason why the Blazers didn't advance because he wasn't able to go. So uh, I think giving him this money is a great idea. It's a great way to keep him here. But also, hopefully, it's a great way if you have another successful season to get other free agents to come here and, and stick around, especially if you know you have a cornerstone star like Damian Lillard who is unselfish, who wants to share the spotlight and just wants to win. I think there are a lot of guys in the NBA that would like to sign and play with a guy like that. And if you have Dame, you know for a fact that you have an opportunity to win. Once everybody left five years ago, you thought this franchise was over. The Blazers will be in the lottery in a year. And Damian Lillard is really the person that's kept them afloat. I think giving him this money is an awesome idea. Uh, So, no, taking him out of the title picture, it will keep them there. And really, hopefully, uh, his presence will be enough to get some other guys that I want to sign, some other B-plus players. 
All right, one point lead for Rashad adding into the third round. We'll just stick with the NBA for this third question. We do have an NFL uh, question for the fourth if we need to get there. Um, we saw some interesting stuff in that final series. Uh, probably first and foremost was the emergence of Myers Leonard in game three, game four. Um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I believe he scored, what, 26 points in the first half of game four. Um, just a, a monstrous performance for a team that is wondering what that front court is going to look like next, next season. Love or hate, Myers Leonard's performance from game three and game four is a sign of things to come. Uh, uh. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say hate. I really want it. I want to say love on this because you are still hopeful that maybe that momentum and confidence will allow him to fully be the player that he was. But I think that the matchup with the Warriors is really what made him shine in that sense. Uh, he is able to defend the pick and roll much better than Ennis Cantor is. He also, because of his ability to shoot the ball, really, really flummoxed Golden State's defense for a while. But here's the key. The second half of game four, he scored three points. Golden State adjusted, defended him differently, and he didn't make the same impact that he did in the first half. Draymond Green even admitted, he goes, we didn't know what to do with Myers Leonard for those two games until we made that adjustment in the second half. It was, it totally threw off our defense. So I think it was a great coaching move by Terry Stotts to throw him in there to try to change the look, but two games does not a great player make. I mean, it's not, it's not like all the other things that Myers has done in his career are going to go away because he had two good games against the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. The stage was big, the, the halves were good, but I need to see it more consistently. And frankly, I don't know if Myers is going to have enough time with the Blazers to show that because he's an expiring deal that someone will probably take in a trade because he has a skill set that teams in the NBA want. So it's supposed to be a point. Uh, I, I, I have to hate it as well, man. I, I, you know we've banged on Myers on the show for quite a while now, and that was the first game that he's had as a professional or a college player that he scored at least 25 points. Uh, one game, like like Lynn said, does not a great player make. He has come out there and he played really well. And Myers is a guy that seven feet tall, can stretch the floor, can shoot that three, can be a man inside when he needs to. We've seen some good Myers Leonard play, but it's been mostly inconsistent. This isn't one of those Jermaine O'Neal situations to where we see what he can do and he just doesn't get enough time to do it. No, Myers Leonard has got his opportunities to be that guy and do those things. He just It just came out at, at a great time. Golden State was struggling with no bigs, no boogie. Um, I forget who the other big they had. Bogut wasn't really able to be very effective, so Myers Leonard took advantage of just being the biggest guy on the floor and he just played on the night to where every shot was going in. We've all been to the gym. We've all had those days to where you can't miss. And Myers Leonard just had one of those can't miss games to where everything he threw up happened to go in. And it doesn't happen all the time. If it did happen for him all the time, he would play much more than he actually does. So that game was, it wasn't a fluke because those are common, but that game, uh, we shouldn't expect that from him very often. All right. Got done before the music bed. Awesome. That's that's new. Efficient. Uh, well, running running the clock today. Running the clock on the game. Keeping you guys accountable to your time. Well, all right. You are. Um, with with that said, <laughs> our winner today, Rashad Taylor. All right. Because I'm not uh, a Donovan McNabb d bag. Uh, I want to hear about Lynch's trip. Mm. So that's what we're going to talk about next, right here on the fan. Weekend sports with a difference. 
This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Not going to gloss over the fact that I won today, but I did because that music means I did. However, I think you've won like two or three weeks in a row now, notwithstanding the week that I had off. I think you've actually won. I won two. that one too, though. Well, of course you did. Yeah. A lot of losing. I don't understand. I thought I got a lot of points today. I thought I was hearing a lot of bloops. Well, you know, I've been on my I've been on my uh, my Myers Leonard lately. You know what I'm saying? You like also realize that you've been going second every time, which used to be my secret success. To go second? Yeah, because it I lets you, you formulate. First. No, it lets you formulate your thoughts a little I'll longer. Go, I'll go first next time. I'll go you, first. You can. Yeah, but Lynch just got back a little bit darker. I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna mention that, but you are a little, little darker. It than rained you were a lot though. That's the problem. But sun sun was still out there though. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. It got so, a little tan. A little darker and everything. So tell us about your uh, number one. Lynch doesn't take just regular trips. Like, I don't know if you've ever gone, so, oh, I just went to Seattle for a couple days, saw a concert. Like, no, Lynch goes to Turks. Lynch goes to, you know, anywhere awesome for the most part. He and his lovely wife. But this time, got a chance to go to a wedding. Yes. Tell us about it. Man. I did go solo because my wife could not go due to work stuff. But uh, I went with a bunch of college friends in Turks and Caicos, which is a Caribbean island for those who do not know. It is part of the chain that is connected to the Bahamas. Um, if you have a map of the Caribbean in your head, it's north of Dominican Republic. Um, so I've now been to four different places in the Caribbean. I've been to Jamaica for my honeymoon. I went on a cruise to the Bahamas. And then I did two weddings, one in the Dominican Republic and now this one in Turks and Caicos. For me, Turks was the best of the four. Uh, and for, for me, it was a very simple reason it was the easiest and everything was great about it they speak english really really well it's a british colony so they speak english well they take the american dollar so you don't have to exchange any money the food was exceptional everywhere we went we did not have a bad bite to eat it's beautiful i think the beach we stayed on was rated as the number one beach in the world grace bay beach that was where the actual hotel was or the, the villa or whatever you want to call it that we stayed on and then because it was a wedding, I mean, there was events every day, too, which was nice. So you're there with all your buddies from college and you're drinking and then you have to go to this event, which is a couple of hours at night and it's on the beach or it's at some mansion somewhere. And it's it was amazing. So in terms of culture and stuff, if you want to go to the Caribbean to, to get an interesting culture, then go to Jamaica, go to Dominican Republic. It's different. Uh, this is a very kind of Americanized, westernized place, but it was very easy. And that's what I liked about it is it was safe. It was easy to get around. The island was fairly small, so you could really go everywhere quickly without any sort of worry about traveling too far. And it was it was just a lot of fun, man. That's what's up, man. Glad you had a good time. How, how long were you there? I was there Thursday afternoon through Monday morning. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, four nights is what I was there. Man, I, I can't remember the last time like I've been anywhere super cool. It's, it's been a little bit. Well, commit. It's not that's the thing is, I mean, obviously it depends on on your financial situation, but I thought this was going to be way more expensive than it was. I mean, my flight was only 600, 700 bucks. And you're thinking across the country, Caribbean, you're thinking that's going to at least peak a thousand dollars. It didn't. It didn't. Sharing a two bedroom place with four friends. I paid 600 bucks for the four nights total, not each night total. So it was fairly affordable. In terms of, and then you're sharing stuff with friends too. You're not buying everything by yourself, so it made it more affordable, and and I, that made it a lot more enjoyable to you. You're not stressing the money as much, so it was cool. It was expensive there though. That's the only negative. If you want a negative, 
is everything was about double the price from what you would expect. <laughs> we went to the grocery store because we had a kitchen in our little two-bedroom place because we were there for four days. Everything at the grocery store was double. Sometimes you get that with imports, right? Yes. But, I mean, like a jar of salsa was $10. And you're like, oh, okay. All right. Um, no, so thank we you. did spend a little bit more money than we wanted to in that sense. But um, it was it was a beautiful island. And if you, wanna, if you want your first Caribbean experience to be kind of all about the beach and the chill and, and being easy, I would, I would certainly suggest Turks and Caicos. But if you want more culture, then that's probably not the place to go because it's, it's very, very westernized. Um, but yeah, that was my trip. I was all very, right. very happy with it. Sadly, it rained almost every day. It thunderstormed, actually, well, for like I, three or four straight hours. I got to go to Imagination Station to buy Reynolds High School. So take that. I guess we both had a great time, you know, while you were gone. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> Tons. Sounds so great. Um, but yeah, so definitely would suggest that's the thing. Everyone's like, oh, you've been to four Caribbean places. Dude, I grew up on the East Coast. I've never been to Hawaii. It's literally across the street for you. I've never been to Hawaii. I've been to California twice I've in my life. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to Mexico once. Like, it's not like these places that I've gone to. You know? Yeah, I feel like. I've, I've still you said you've never been to Hawaii, place. Jesse? No. no. I've heard Hawaii is expensive, I'm trying too. To think of Hawaii the cool is place super expensive. Uh, what's the most, like... Uh, Arizona, probably the most tropical place I've ever been. You got to get out more, bro. Yeah, there there are trips that are affordable that will get you to the, to the Caribbean or something. Or, or you can find a nice cheap Airbnb in Hawaii. Or rent a van and sleep on the beach. I don't know. <laughs> Someday I'll break minimum wage. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week, 9 to 11. Same bat time, same bat channel. We'll be talking NBA Finals by then. Sadly, there's two, ga two days between the first, like, four games, so... We're going to have one game to talk about by then. Awesome. We'll find other stuff as well. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! Arr. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.